Hey, child-free besties. Welcome to the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, the number one podcast that focuses on empowering, highlighting, and celebrating African-American women who are child-free, wonderfully made, and living their absolute best child-free life. I am your host and favorite child-free bestie, Dr. Angela L. Harris. Here on the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, we aim to dispel the stereotypes and assumptions that child-free sisters are lonely, unfulfilled, and unhappy without motherhood and children. So join in on the discussions, which will feature intimate one-on-one interviews, the occasional themed and bonus episodes, and my personal journey and experiences of being a child-free content creator and expert. Remember, womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. Hey, child-free besties. This is Dr. Angela L. Harris, the visionary and founder of No Bibs, Burps, Bottles, the number one platform that inspires, empowers, celebrates, and highlights African-American Black child-free women to live their best child-free life. Welcome to another podcast episode, YouTube episode, wherever you are listening or watching. I want to thank you in advance for joining No Bibs, Burps, Bottles. I am so excited to bring to you another special guest, a child-free bestie who's going to share her child-free narrative with us. Her information will be in the, in the description box. So if you want to know more information about our special guest, make sure that you check out the show notes at the end of watching this or listening to this episode. So I always like to make sure that our guests have the opportunity to introduce themselves. I have a little bit of information about Miss Monica, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. So Monica, if you can share who you are, where you're from, a little bit about your career, and then I'm going to ask you to share an interesting fact about yourself that you don't mind sharing with the world. Yeah, sure. So hi, happy to be here. Um, My name is Monica Wilson, and I am from Norfolk, Virginia. I'm currently nomading and traveling out west. Um, I am a environmental scientist. And a fun fact about myself is I'm also a signed commercial model. So I like to say that I am the scientist by day and supermodel by night. Yes, I love it. I love it. And tell us how you got into modeling. Is this something that you started as a child or in adulthood? How do you get into modeling? You know, it's, it's kind of weaved in and out of my life as I've grown up. I loved watching TV as a kid and just kind of mocking what was going on. And my parents would kind of entertain the idea of me getting into modeling and go to the mall. You would go to the mall and search for opportunities. And um, growing up, me and my sisters would like love taking pictures and doing photo shoots. Um, once I went to middle school and high school, I started to get really serious about my academics and playing sports. And no one in my family had went to college. So I did not entertain modeling. But when I was in high school, I was on a billboard my senior year in my hometown, um, promoting like staying in school, don't do drugs and graduate on time. And I had this million dollar smile holding a diploma. And if you were to tell me this was in 2009, if you were to tell me now in 2023 that that had an initial impact on where my trajectory was going in life, I would not have believed you. So I didn't become I didn't get into modeling until I was 28. I did my first runway show at 29 and at 30 years old last year, I signed my first contract. So it came much later in life, it did. Um, So I want people to know that you can pursue your goals at any age and stage of life you're in. Um, But it really morphed because I made the decision to work completely virtual 
I made the decision to become a child-free woman. And I made the decision that when I'm not working my nine to five, I am working a whole other life with a different identity. And so I have leeway and time to spend my, spend my time building myself up in that industry. Wow. And I love yeah. the fact that you said leeway and time, meaning you can go wherever you want to go, do what you want to do and be able to um, fuel your passion, whether that's your full-time career or the secondary career that you have. So yes. congratulations um, to Thank you. you. And for those who may not know, um, you know, thinking of my own curiosity, can you share a little bit about what an environmental scientist does? Sure. So in, in layman's terms, I am a scientist that observes the earth, the weather events, climate changes, or any type of impact that humans place onto our planet. So we build buildings, we go to work, we emit emissions, we're putting stress on the earth. And in today's day and age, that is just creating such a ripple effect pretty much in every region in the US and globally. And so as a child, because I grew up off the coast of Virginia, I experienced floods and hurricanes. And so from a very young age, I had this connection to weather and the environment and why was this happening? Um, and I went on to go to a high school that had a magnet program. And I was so in love with just being a, a career woman in science. Um, the other piece too, to just me nomading and traveling is I loved watching Where in the World Was Carmen Sandiego mm -hmm. because she would just take off on the work, you know, and like complete a mission. So there was there's these other factors playing into who I wanted to be um, and who I blossomed into. But I am here to just kind of study how humans show up in the world, the impacts we place on the environment and what it means for our well-being and what it means for the planet's well-being. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that drop in knowledge. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. So let's get into the nitty gritty of this. So I always like to ask, what is Monica's child-free life like now? How are you moving in the world as a child-free indiv individual? Yeah. So at 31, um, you know, back then it was, I'm uncertain. Is this really going to be my life? This doesn't seem like it's fun. Um, Cause I wasn't really consciously aware of myself and my programming and who I wanted to be. And now that I'm really just getting started with life and getting to the other side, it gets greater later. And my life now is really composed of leisure, focusing on my well-being, and really going after job opportunities where I can really commit to and take up space as a Black woman in the STEM field. And so I work hard, I take care of my body, and I just like to have fun. And I like to make connections with interesting people all over the world. Um, I truly believe because I'm able to be remote and hybrid, I can go to a conference, you know, down south. I could go to an event on the West Coast and still get my work done, maybe take a virtual modeling audition and really get back to just building myself up. So it is, it's a different type of space to be in. Um, it requires discipline. It requires thinking outside of the box. But I will tell you, I, I just feel like I'm in my, I'm standing in my truth. I'm living my truth. I'm living very authentically, and it's come with a lot of meticulous thought around the subject of just being child-free. Like, I've given it so much thought, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a positive way of being. Oh, I yeah. just feel the energy, and I love the smile, and I yeah. love the, the, the confidence, and I also love the reflection, because 
by what you're sharing, I can tell that you you think you're very intentional on your life choices. You're not making, and we you know we can always make a hasty decision here and there. But just the energy that um, I'm picking up from you is like amazing, amazing. One of the things that you just said, it gets greater later, and I love that meaning. At, because people will say as you get older, you know, people like, oh, you know, you get you're lonely and you're an old hag and you're an old maid. But I love that phrase. It gets greater later in life as you mature. But you are at that age of 31. And I always tell people 30 is that age where people say you need to be married. You need to have a career. You need to have a job. You need to have a house. You need to have it all together. And I think when we don't check all of those at 30 years old, we can start saying, what's wrong with me? So tell me a little bit, bit about, have you experienced that? And then how did you get through that? Because I think 30 is that age where people are looking closely and pointing fingers. Absolutely. I've experienced it. And I'm now on the other side of it. You know, I, I've shared the surface level things about me, but it goes back to what you said. I had to reflect on what the reality of this choice was. And so as I shifted working from out of the office to remotely and I had moved across the country. I had first moved to Denver, Colorado before the pandemic had happened. Okay, then COVID happened. So three years have gone by. Well, like you said, I'm at that age where people start to settle in, but my life just started taking off. And then let's add another layer. As a black woman, things are harder in life, career, dating choices, just upward mobility. So there's just all these layers and stressors that I started to just, I don't know, I took the rose colored glasses off and I really started to see what it was out here. Um, at 29, I had gotten out of a relationship and I actually went to go get my fertility tested. So I've given this thought and my mother had me when she was 16 years old. I always thought that I was going to grow up and be a mom. I saw at my high school, teenage pregnancy was just like, it was, it was a thing. It was so normal. So I just thought, yeah, I'll have kids one day, but once my path started going this way and I started feeling differently and lonely and like I couldn't share this knowledge with, you know, I found channels like this to really start tapping in and listening to what other Black women were saying, to look at it from all sides. So I had my fertility tested. At 29, I went to the doctor and I said, hey, I don't want to wait until I'm 35 for someone to tell me the, the clock is ticking, girl, make your mind up. I don't believe in waiting until the last minute for, you know, for you to be all in shambles over something. And so they thought it was odd that I came in with no partner wanting this test. I got the test and my results were not bad, but my results did not yield that um, I am like super, super fertile and that I have all the time in the world at 29 and I'm healthy. I've run marathons. I've been a weightlifter. And my, like I said, my mother had me very young. So I, I just expected that you know, I'm healthy too, but no, the doctor had alluded to me, hey, Monica, if you want to have children, you need to start within the next three years and you need to start sooner than later if you plan on getting pregnant without IVF or without any other type of treatment, you need to do this soon. And when you exit a relationship and take a test like that and then hear results like that over the phone, mind you, this was a super white space I was in. You know, I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, like there's just, there's no winning out here. Like there's nowhere for me to talk to about just kind of like how you struggle with fertility. And I, you know, we live in reality. The world has changed so much since COVID. So I'm, I'm keeping it real. Like 
with results like that, it doesn't mean I would never get pregnant, but with something like that, it's kind of like, uh, that kind of, it was a relief, but it was also like, mm, you know, let's be real about this. Let's not play in la la land with this fairy tale of you're just going to grow up and magically have kids. You need to start thinking about this. So that experience really continued to open my mind to figuring out what's best for me. Mm-hmm. I then I then started to find communities like your channel and other platforms. And, and I started to connect with friends that I didn't know we had that in common of, look, I'm ambivalent, I'm uncertain, and I'm leaning towards no based off my trauma, my test results, and just the way I choose to live life. So I had to really work through myself and um, my experiences in life to really get to this point of understanding what's best for me. Mm-hmm. I will say that I am a oldest daughter and I have two younger sisters. And so changing diapers and child rearing is not foreign to me. You know, I've, I was a babysitter. I was a nanny. And I know what it feels like to experience some of the requirements of motherhood. And I could recall in those experiences as an adolescent, like something was kind of like, I'm, I don't know if I want this, you know? Um, and then I went on when I was doing, I did competitive weightlifting in my twenties. You never really know what experiences are going to impact you, but I was on a team of all athletic, super badass women. And a lot of them were child-free and a couple of them were training for the Olympics. Wow. You know, and when I saw them living authentically, I thought, wow, what does it take to get to that point as a woman to just own it? And that, I think that's really what influenced me to take this path was, was, was um, things that I just, I exposed myself to that were different from the norm. Wow. Yeah. Monica, thank you so much for sharing that because I always tell the child-free sisters, every sister that I bring on here, it's a testimony. Someone else is listening and they're like, that's my story. Or I see myself in Monica. And I guess my follow-up question to that is, some would say, okay, you got this news and you wanted to live in reality, right? The, t- the timing is short. You have to make a decision. This doctor is telling you to get to it sooner than later. Was there a grieving process that you went through to get to that point of acceptance? Mm, yes. I remember getting the phone call and being in tears and calling my mom and being in tears. And then I pretty much silently, because we were still in COVID at that point, things weren't really opened up and I had just moved across the country. I mourned, all right, I'm never gonna have a baby shower if this is what I choose. I am never going to go to the store and go down the baby aisle and pick up things. Um, I'm not gonna share this. I'm not gonna be able to be pregnant with other women friends. I did, I absolutely mourned it. It was rough, Angela, I mean, I, you have to really let yourself go through all of the emotions. And um, I've done a lot of firsts in my life and it's not to brag, it's just to be real. The first to go to college, I'm always the first black woman in a lot of roles that I work in the science field. And then really the first in my family to move away and make a name for myself. And so here I am with all this education, you know, career experience, and you just think, oh, it'll happen or it'll be this. I had to live in my own reality based on my own choices. And so the grass isn't greener, but I want to live. I just, I want to really just be in a place where I'm content with my life and my choices, but absolutely girl. And there were times that I would walk down the baby aisle just to like make peace with it. Now I'm okay. I don't even think about stuff like that anymore, but girl, 28, 29 and 30 were really me 
letting go and just kind of like, mm, I'm going to become the woman that I've always wanted to be. I'm not, I'm going to take this societal requirement out of my mind. And it's, it's been on the uphill ever since. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love the uphill journey for our child-free sisters. And I also love that you named the societal pressure because a lot of us are feeling that there are some women who are literally like, will change the course of their life, even though they don't want kids because of a partner or family or that societal pressure. So that leads me to my next question, Monica. And again, thank you so much for uh, sharing that personal detail. You said that when you got this news, you called mom. And mm -hmm. I always want to understand kind of the family dynamics because some families, as you mourn, parents mourn that they're not gonna be grandparents. So mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about once you made that decision, how you shared it with your mom, was mom ever at any point saying, hey, you need to kind of slow down and start thinking about having a family? Tell us about those family dynamics. Yeah, I'm I'm really fortunate that my parents, both my mom and dad are still married and um, I'm the product of an interracial relationship. So like overcoming a lot of things, this is something that has literally been passed down to me. And so my parents never forced me into thinking that I need to hurry up and get married and have kids. They were very serious about, you need to make sure it's the right man that you're dealing with, first of all, first and foremost. And um, once they saw me start living my life, I don't think they um, really put as much pressure on me or to ask me those questions um, about that. So my mom wasn't, she wasn't upset. She wasn't surprised. She actually said, hey, you know, sometimes those tests are not accurate. Or you can go back in a year and your results could be different. She just she just offered a different viewpoint versus just devastation. And I'm sure as a parent, you know, she would want grandkids. And I have other siblings, but she, you know, she could see herself doing that because they my parents come from that generation of that's what you do. You fall in line and you experience that. And when my parents started to hear me talk about, well, this is what I don't want to do. I remember my dad saying, he was like, look, Mary J. Blige doesn't have kids. That's her choice. She didn't want to do it. So he was like, Monica, if people ask you why you don't want to do it, you don't owe them an explanation. My parents really started to see me more from within and take my side and respect me for that. So I'm just really lucky. But extended family, grandparents, they don't understand. They're like, okay, you know, you could go to the moon and, you know, cure cancer, but where's your man? And when are you having the kids? You know, you're the oldest granddaughter. What's going on? That was, that used to be whew, very hard for me to get through. <laughs> so how, so tell me a little bit about how you got through it. How would you respond to the grandparents or to the cousins or to people who are just like, you're smart, you have a lot going on for yourself. When are you going to get married and when are you going to have kids? Because that's kind of the order, right? Yeah, I never responded well to those things because those were all trigger words for me. Yes. And um, I I mean, you, you never find the right guy or you never blah, blah, blah. So I believe in healing. And I decided to start going to a lot of women-centered healing retreats around breaking family cycles and generational trauma. So all of my um, cousins that are women, they are, they've all had babies under 25. So here I am, the black sheep. So it was so intense for me to just be around family. I was living out West and I actually found groups that I could just go to and talk about this so that each time I would fly home, especially for the holidays, I had a safe space to kind of vent that when I go into this space, 
my, you know, when I go home, my family is going to ask me these questions and I know it's coming from love, but I'm not in a place right now where it feels like it's from love because I know the news of my fertility. So a lot of healing, um, a lot of undoing who I thought I was and what path I wanted to go down in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I even spent time out of the country in a, in a space for black women. I've, I've just done a lot of things that have really brought me back to myself to stand up for myself. I guess you could say it's more progressive minded. Um, it's taboo, it's woo woo, but I really had to sit with my trauma and spend these last three years addressing what were my hurdles of becoming my authentic self and the subjects of marriage and kids was, was difficult. It was, <laughs> but, but now it's great. you know, my family doesn't even bring it up when, and I can pick up, you know, nieces and nephews and just like, I can just do what I need to do and have fun. And it's a, it's just so much better now. Yes. And I love that you're promoting self-love and self-healing because a lot of times those are two crucial steps that we actually miss where we're trying to just navigate life, right? We're trying to chase the next promotion or the next relationship or fill in the blank. But a lot of times we're skipping that crucial part of, do I love myself? Is this good for me? How do I heal from those past traumas? So I'm so glad that you're promoting self-love and healing because that's what I'm also all about. The mental health part of me yes. is all about. So now some would say, okay, you got this news, right? And you've done this healing and wow, you're in a position where you're um, self-sufficient. Why not? adopt or consider fostering how do you have you ever thought about that Mm -hmm. yeah in my 20s I remember when I was 25 and I I was I didn't know this version of myself and I would say things like okay if I'm still single by 30 because that's so old I'm just gonna adopt so that I have a kid and that kid is there with me I wasn't thinking about a man I wasn't thinking about anything else I and then a few years after that I thought I will just um, donate my eggs for tax benefits. And then also if if I'm not going to be a mother, I will share my eggs with a family and there will be a little me out there in the world. And I'll actually, when they turn 18, I will meet them and get to know them and I'll have this relationship. I was really okay with that. I was so open-minded. I've really entertained a lot of those ideas. and, And I think if I wanted to foster maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, if I wanted to, but I am so about just like doing my own thing right now and being selfish because I'm going to be real with you. I spent a lot of time trying to make a name for myself in my job, being first generation, dating trauma, just moving that I've never put myself first a hundred percent. And that's what this season of my life is right now before anything else comes and so I've stopped entertaining those ideas, um, but they definitely were were on the table. Um, I work in tech now, and I think maybe it, I will have the opportunity if I wanted to, to freeze my eggs. I'm all about having options in life. And so if a company offers that incentive to their employers, I think I would do that just so it's done, but that doesn't mean I want to be a parent. I think it's just something I would want to investigate for myself. I love yeah. the reflection that you were yeah. doing, like, because <laughs> you and I love the fact that you said you like to have options, right? So I love that you talk about like this um, version of yourself because we, we morph into different women each decade or even each day by the second 
I'm not the Angela that I was this past second ago, right? And so I love that. I love the reflection. And I love that you're open, right? The options allow you to be open, whether that's donating your eggs or fostering, and you will know what's best for you if and when the time comes. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I am child-free by choice and I am ambivalent a lot about a lot of things in my life, not because I can't commit or make my mind up, but because I have so many options to live, live differently, live in a different location. And when you're given that gift in life, you really have to see it through and be uh, really conscious of what choice you will make now that will impact you in the future. So maybe one day, if I get to freeze my eggs through an employer, that will help me recover from the trauma of getting my fertility tested. And that's just for me, you know? I've also met women in this career space now that said, hey, you know what? I didn't have kids and I'm happy. I wanted to freeze my eggs, but I'm still happy that I didn't have kids. Or I've met women in the career space that have said, Monica, you need to think long and hard if you want to make this choice and still work this global position because I'm doing it and it's hard. I love my kid, but my life is not the same. And I appreciate women who tell me that. Yes, mic drop on yes. that one. Mic drop on that one. Yes. Hey, I'm stopping my own YouTube video and podcast episode to let you know about NoBibsBurpsBottles.com. That's right. Stop and visit our website today. We have a bunch of awesome child-free pride merchandise made especially for you. Visit NoBibsBurpsBottles.com today. Peace. So let's talk a little bit about dating okay how do you navigate dating being a child-free individual and more specifically do you have an age requirement if someone has a kid do you don't want to date anyone who has kids are you okay being a bonus stepmom I would say now I would prefer to date someone who does not have kids um just because the lifestyle differences but if I find myself you know 35 and up, still single. Well, let's get more realistic. Most men might have kids, so you would have to change what you're looking for. Um, So no kids. Um, I really enjoy reading on Reddit. There's a child-free thread, a child-free community about how to go about dating, whether it's in real life or the online space. And so I, um, I tend to seek out men who, or look for men who don't have kids, but Men who are also not sure or are a a hard no, they've had a vasectomy, but I'm not looking for men that obviously want children um, who are super, super serious on that. And so this has really given me the permission to, right, as a child-free woman, you can't date the same. So there's no timeline. There's no one telling you, you need to hurry up and find a man. What am I hurrying up for if I'm not having kids? You know, like, it just opens up another layer. And so I could be out traveling somewhere and meet a great guy who also travels or at a conference. And so you know, the first thing I just always remind myself is, Monica, when you step out of the house, you're probably going to meet somebody. It doesn't have to be a limited scope of apps or this or that. Um, so I have been lucky within this. I'm, I am single. I have been lucky in this last year. I'm more so of like if we if I meet someone and we, we connect great and we date and get in a relationship, but I'm not hard prepped for a relationship, but I'm so open to meeting other, other child-free men. Um, I've actually met and like went on dates with a lot of guys that also did not want kids. And it was so refreshing. And it might be because I live out West and it could, it could vary regionally based on where you are. It maybe in the South, I might have a harder time 
because most men might be, I don't want to make generalizations, but they're more marriage minded and they only see a woman being this one thing. So I could have a harder time in that market. So I'm all about observing my market and what works best for me. People out West tend to be more like of a trailblazer. They're creative. They're trying different things they want to explore. So dating overall is just very more laid back and relaxed. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not uncommon to meet men that are still older and really not, they're now more serious. So yeah, I've dated men my age in my early thirties. I've also dated men early forties. Okay. Okay. Yes. And I love the fact, and I love everything. I keep saying that, but I love the fact that you just shared your experience because I always see people saying like, there's no child-free men. And I mean, that's just not true right now. Again, I think depending on where the person is and uh, being realistic as you get older, um, but I've met older men who don't have kids. And I've also met older men who like, listen, they don't have kids, but that's their their goal to settle right. down and have a child. And so can you maybe share on the spot what you would do or how you would navigate a conversation if you were dating someone and they're like, you know, I really love you. I care about you. I really want us to have a child together. Like, what do you think your go-to would be on how to navigate Ooh. that? Okay. Woo. Okay. So this doesn't sound like it's first date. This, that, this sounds like it is like, you know, we have spent some time yes. together. Wow. I, mm, I would hope at that point I have shared and I've been able to feel comfortable as a woman to share with this man, how I feel and what my trauma has been so that they can understand where I'm coming from. We got to have that common ground of understanding and, mm, I, I mean, with the hard reality of life, it's just like where I feel now, if someone really wanted to have kids with me, I, I don't think I, I would want to see it through just based on where I'm at. If he was like, we got to do this right now soon. No. Um, but if there was leeway to, for myself to work through further in therapy or whatever healing tool I need to kind of address because here's the thing, if I'm going to change my mind, Angela, I'm not going to change my mind for a man. I'm changing my mind for me. That means I've gone to therapy to do all this on learning. And then I'm going to go back to therapy to say, okay, I think I want kids. Now we got to talk about this. Because then it's like, well, do you really want to? Where is this coming from? So it's it's my choice. Mm, it's hard. It, yeah, it's so it hard. It would it would kind of leave my my relationship in question right now, to be honest with you, because I I don't I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and no right or wrong answer. The right answer is what you would say and how yeah. you feel. And I and the fact that you said I'm gonna put me first because I get these type of questions from child free sisters, whether they're dating someone or they're married, they actually shared up front that they don't want kids. And now five years in, it's like, Hey, let's think about it. And some relations end, some yes. relationships end because the woman says, Hey, I told you this up front. And then I think some people try to negotiate or work things out. So I just wanted to know kind of what you thought. And I, and you said putting you first. I would make, if I changed my mind, it would be because you wanted that not to appease this partner. Sure, and that's fair. And maybe I can give you a, a different example. Um, when I was 30, I had met someone who was older and he, on the first date, he said he wanted kids and he wanted his wife to raise his kids. And I said, I'm 30, I don't want children, and I'm not going to bear the burden of 100% of childcare responsibility. That's just not the relationship I want. And he didn't listen. So after a couple of dates, I, you know, I had to bring it up again saying like, 
I, I told you, I don't want kids and I'm not doing this. So I think sometimes it's, mm, I don't, it's not even a question. I, it's not even a thing I really bring up on a first date of hard rigidness, but at some point it has to come up, but you don't want, you don't want to say where you're at and then someone think, oh, she's not serious. She's just saying that because it's now, you know, and then they're going to flip the script. Um, no, no. So it's, it's tough. It's a gray area. And that's why I read those forums online about how to navigate those things or what other women are experiencing. Cause it's hard. You get the love of your life, let's say, and they want to do this life event. And then I'm, for me, I'm like, look at the planet right now. Look at the economy. Look at, I don't even live near my village. You know, like there's so many things that don't have me feeling as enthusiastic to make this permanent choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. <laughs> yes. Yes. So when we talk about being child-free, I, I have the other identities tacked onto that, right? So no bibs, burps, bottles. We are unapologetic about focusing on African-American, Black, child-free women. And so as I say that to you, those could be three identities that merge, right? What, how do those identities intersect for you? Like what's most salient? How do they show up in everyday life? A lot of it is I have a certain lens on how I show up in the world and how I navigate different spaces. And um, when I'm in the career realm, you know, I know how I have to be. You code switching and no one's treating me half white. You know, like that's never been a thing for me. I know who I am. And I, my parents always made sure blackness was a part of my daily life. I went to an all black high school. <laughs> so yeah, um, and all of my boyfriends were black. So <laughs> just putting it out there. You're like, I um, got this. <laughs> yeah. And then when I've entered, what were the other items? As I'm far sorry. as just being a woman, being child-free and being a black woman, like those identities, yeah. each one of those can hold positive, negative, gray spaces. It does. It does. It raises a lot of questions because, you know, I can go to the farmer's market where I live and my burrito guy says, are you married? You know, and I don't know if he's saying it because he's interested or he's like, you're beautiful. Where is you're beautiful. Therefore, where is your husband? Mm -hmm. Um, or what's, Hey, the first question is, Hey, what's going on? Who are you dating these days? It's like the first thing in people's minds because they're so invested and infatuated about it. And I have a lot of other things that I want to talk about or express. And then sometimes I don't want to say lonely, but it is more of an isolated path because I am all about experiencing as much as possible. So I travel internationally and I do a lot of things where I'm going to be honest, there's not a lot of black women in the room. Sometimes for a modeling shoot, I'm the black model, right? So I have to go into that space with a certain mindset of they expect my hair and makeup done because they can't cater to me, you know? But then when I'm out traveling and I'm with my sister friends and they're also child-free, it feels like love. It feels like community. It feels like I'm home. There are these moments where I feel like I, I'm like, this is why I made the right choice. Then there's the moments, the days where it's like, it's Valentine's Day and I'm single, but that's okay. You know, I'm not all about the big holidays like that anymore. So it, it has its highs and its lows for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned your friend group and it seems like you have friends who are um, child-free yeah. um, and then you have this, this STEM field that you're in and then the modeling field. Have you ever encountered where there's 
like you're you don't have a kid so you should have more time to do this or there's an expectation um that you do more yes i um i was i was a weightlifter i did crossfit a, a couple years ago and i had a black woman who i had we actually worked together she had jokingly said to me you have more time you have no man and you have no kids therefore you should be further along or you should be doing this i got kids i got a house i got like people love to go tick for tack. Oh, yes. And I don't appreciate that because I think there's a misconception that I'm just, you know, at home laying in bed all day, but there are so many things that I'm doing. Um, and so I have experienced things like that. I've had that pressure put on me in previous jobs. Well, she's young. She has no kids. She can stay past five o'clock at work or, um, you know, you should be, you should have all these hobbies and you should have all, all these things done in your life because you have no one to report to. But black women also suffer from so much burnout. And I'm, I'm also learning how to be soft and rest and do all these things. And so it's like, if you do, it, it, there's always someone who's going to say something. Got that totally. right. Totally. I've even had a guy tell me you are perfect, but where I docked you was you didn't want kids, you know? And it's like, it's just always something, Angela. So yes, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and he, he also was child free. He was a child free man. And he, yes, and yes. he's dinging you. <laughs> oh gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, but that's why um, this, this platform exists to be able to tell the stories of like, no, there's nothing wrong with the decision and the lifestyle that I've created for myself. I'm not going to allow you to make to convince me that I made a poor choice, the wrong choice. I focused too much on my career. I'm not going to allow society, parents, grandparents, cousins, no one to dictate what I've decided is best for me. And I love yes. that because you're living authentically like that. Yeah, I think what I want to say is really like if I'm around family and we're all and I'm, I'm receiving nourishment and quality family time, there's always that moment where I'm going to feel othered. Oh, you don't want a baby. And I'm going to feel othered at work. I'm going to feel othered when I'm modeling. I'm going to feel lonely on a solo trip. There's always that one layer and I recognize it now. And then I just go about what I'm doing and I, I eventually get back into a groove and it's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that you are talking about this modeling, the STEM field, like showing up in these spaces and representing you. And so as we know, it's not like we see a lot of child-free promotion in media, in print, on TV, in movies. But can you recall anything that comes to mind in regards to like, this person is child-free and they're living their best life? Yeah, I believe it's Carmen Sandiego, just watching her travel. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, when I ventured over into Europe, I, I think they just kind of live, obviously they live culturally different than us. I'm just speaking for Europe as a whole. It's I think it's more common to see women about their career and about their leisure. And there's not so much pressure to have a baby before 30. So that like traveling has really shown me what, you know, what, what, what the other possibilities are. Um, there's a wonderful woman I know um, in Mexico City. She's a black woman. She facilitates a lot of healing spaces. She's child-free and she shared her journey with me. And so I, I look up to them. Um, Hoda Kadbi, who hosts the, you know, on the Today Show, she didn't have her own kids, but she, you know, made a career name for herself and yes. still found time when it was later. So I draw inspiration from anywhere. And um, I just feel so blessed that when I naturally find these women, um, it's just, it just feels purely divine and aligned. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we're everywhere, we're everywhere. And I think people are so surprised 
shocked, pissed, maybe there's a lot of emotions that I've seen across um, starting no bibs burps bottles like where are you child free people coming from why is it a big deal why are you talking about it being able to say hey I'm child free and I'm living my best life what do you think so many people are upset about I think we are expressing ourselves I think we are saying look I figured it out this is who I am and these are the things that I'm choosing to do and I'm not doing that and maybe as a parent you can't embody the same amount of expression where, you know, my life could change tomorrow because I don't have kids that I'm bringing into this world. Whereas they have to think more about what they're doing. I think that plays a role into it. Um, I think there's a little bit of jealousy if you have not consciously thought of, of being a parent and addressing your trauma and healing your inner child. And so when I went remote with my work, I remember leaving corporate and someone said, you better enjoy it because when you have kids and have a man, you you won't be able to do this. You know, I've heard it all. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm glad I've heard it all. But um, people think it's a phase. They think what I'm doing, you know, I need more purpose. I, you know, I just need to fall into that. But I just feel like the, the, the hatred or the jealousy or shut up, stop talking about it. It's just because we're expressing ourselves and we've never lived in a society where you see women expressing this fully. And in this, this form of expression is not a monolith at all. Yeah. Wow. And we're here to stay yes. and we're here yes. to continue to share our stories. Again, no bibs, burps, bottles. Not only do we support African-American black child-free women to live their best child-free life, but that young sister who is not yet 30, but maybe 21, who knows wholeheartedly that they want to be child-free. But someone is like, you're too young to make that decision. Or someone who says, I'm so sure that I want to get sterilized. But people are like, no, you'll change your mind. What would you share with a child-free sister, younger, let's say 21, who's come to terms that this is my decision, but they're getting the pressure? How would you empower her? Yeah, I would tell her like, sis, I see you and I hear you and I was there and I I can feel that your thoughts and, and you're holding this in and it's silent because you maybe have not found the right people or the space to vent it out to. You might be telling the wrong people and they're not ready to hear your truth yet. But I would encourage that young sister to to lean into that feeling and and get as much knowledge as you can on why you feel that way. So when I was feeling that way, I went to the library and got books on pregnancy just to further confirm what I wanted to know about myself or what I, you know, what I need to know about a choice I'm not making. Lean into that. Um, please don't waver, you know, like keep your standards up. Do not let anything on this earth except you change your mind if that's what you feel like doing, but just know that you, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling that way. It is completely normal to question things in society and it's okay to question things as a woman. Yes, that's great yeah. advice. So all, for all those who are listening, take time yeah. to reflect, take time to um, really think about what mm -hmm. you want to do because you'll always get a lot of pressure from up, down, around. You'll always get pressure from somewhere, somebody, but it needs to be your choice. Yes. So Monica, oh my goodness. Now I do have my last question, but before I get to my last question, I am totally interested in knowing what do you, 
it seems like you definitely enjoy your full-time job. You have the modeling and then you did weightlifting. Like what was the thing that, that you just enjoyed the most? Right. Um, realistically love my new job because it's paying the bills and I'm moving up in the world. Um, but modeling actually is something that feels like a, a sacred platform for myself because I fell into it in such a non-traditional unplanned way. And as a scientist, um, working with lighting in different colors, and I think so differently about it, but my inner, I began my inner child healing journey when I became a model, when I had to stand on stage and like allow people to see me and make comments or admire me and smile in front of the camera, that little girl that had just wanted to be seen, it's, that's what really started the process for me. And, um, when when my sisters and friends like see me focusing on it, they could tell that, all right, she switched her brain. She's in model mode. She knows what she's doing. But being a career woman actually helped me as a model, like negotiating contracts and all those types of things. And then traveling too, um, whether I'm traveling with friends or family or even myself, it is so healing. And every time I get on a plane, like I'm, I'm from Portsmouth, Virginia, and like when I fly places, I'm still, I went to Mexico this year by myself, you know, for a month, Mexico City. And I, I get in the plane and I'm just like, I, I can't believe this is my life. Mm -hmm. No one would have ever thought. And like, when I, you know, think that this is where the bar is, it's actually, it's just life is so expansive. So I'm just, I'm really blessed and privileged to have an expansive life. Oh. Yeah. And I, and, and the fact that, the way you talk about it, I could tell that your life, and I'm not saying it's perfect because no one has a perfect mm -hmm. life, but the way you're talking about your journey and the way you have transformed from the trauma to the dating to, you know, being first gen to now being a model and being a scientist, like just to see these markers in your life is just so awesome to hear. And I would love for you to share with our audience, what you have brewing, what you have coming up. This is the part of the show where we say shine like a diamond. So please let our audience know where they can find you if you want to be followed, um, sure. what you're doing, what are the, the things on the horizon for Monica? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at epic.monica. I am going to be sharing a lot of things that I've been working on offline this year. I'm I've taken a lot of time to myself to just live life without posting. So I'm, I'm making a return. Um, I'm going to be traveling a lot this summer and revisiting some of my favorite places and, and going to new places and hanging out with new friends. Um, Career-wise, I am continuing to build myself as a scientist. And I look forward to kind of sharing what I do now in the building space in the tech industry on LinkedIn. And then I think this fall, there might be some international fashion shows that I will be in. Um, so it's just all good things. And I love to keep it real. So you'll, you'll see how crazy my life is. Of like, we're taking a call, then we're doing an audition, then we're going back to work, then we're headed to the airport. Yeah. I, and so that's what I'm working it's, on. It's exciting. <laughs> and I will definitely be following because I love, I'm, I'm trying to travel more solo. I do a lot of things by myself already. I too am single. Um, so yes. I do things by myself, <laughs> but there are also things that I, I desire to do, but I'm like, oh, can I really go to like Europe by myself? Can I do, I question myself. So people like you who can go to Mexico city solo and have a great time. I'm drawing inspiration from that. One of the things that I'm leaving 
ending with and ending this our our chat is um there's this 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 weave of just mental health and healing and making sure that you're good so that you can go out in the world and be good and i so much appreciate that um about you and from you because if we're not here if we're not together here and here and here we can make decisions that are not in our best interest. We can get involved with people who don't have our best interests. And so throughout our conversation, you've talked about this trauma and this healing and these spaces of self-reflection. So thank you for dropping all those jewels. Thank you for being here. And any final words, Monica, that you would like to share? I just want to say thank you. And if, to anyone listening out there, just give yourself permission to live life. It's okay. Live life and it's okay. You heard it yes. again and again on No Bibs, Burps, Bottles. And you heard it again from Miss Monica. Until we meet again, peace. You have been listening to the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, a podcast dedicated to the empowerment of African-American Black child-free women. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. And don't forget to share this podcast with another child-free bestie. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, keep living your best child-free life.